When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to In Conversation, a Dub Lab podcast where each week we will bring you interviews from the Dub Lab Radio Archives. You're listening to DubLab.com. My name is Jenny Nono and... and I- I'm Eva Vujak. <laughs> My special guest today on SS Extension Course. Um, so, Eva, thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> My pleasure. I understand you've been through a whirlwind of uh, situations this last week or so, but I really appreciate you coming in. I'm very excited. Thank you. This is um, going to be the sanest moment this whole week. So wow. I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> Good to hear. Good I hope. Hear. I hope. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Eva, tell us a little bit about Nomag. Um, okay. Oh, well, um, first, let me do a little intro. At least, uh, Eva. Eva is um, one of the publishers of um, Nomag magazine, which was around from 1978 to 1984, and it's a punk culture would you say like fashion, fashion art, art trash garbage <laughs> nancy reagan um you name it we had it awesome okay yeah a magazine it incorporates all of those beautiful things and i want i i asked her to come in today to tell us a little bit more about it and uh, to tell us some wild stories because <laughs> she 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 lived through all of that and it'd just be really great to hear some some stories. <laughs> okay. So I can tell you a little bit about how the magazine started. Okay. And um, then I'll try to remember stories. I'm old. <laughs> um, so the magazine is the brainchild of Bruce Kalberg, who was my partner for many, many years. Um, and Bruce started the magazine with Mike Girard, who now is pretty well known for a band called the Swans. Um, But um, they met in art school uh, at Otis uh, Art Institute. And Bruce had just come back from England where he had studied art as well. And they got together and uh, started the magazine. And it was just kind of a crazy magazine that coincided with the beginning of the punk era in Hollywood, and they were two Hollywood guys who were going out and seeing a lot of bands interested in music, interested in the Hollywood culture. So I have, I have a, uh, I'm curious though, what, what, uh, what places would they go to see these bands? Do they still exist to this day? Well, I'm Hollywood. In the well, (laughs) 
I, I, I would say no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but were they like small hole in the wall kind of clubs, like very DIY? Yeah, I mean there there just wasn't very much in in that period of time, mm-hmm. and I I didn't I should say I didn't come into the magazine till I met Bruce when Mike Girard left, mm-hmm. and um, he left to um, move to New York and form a band. And um, Bruce and I moved in together, and the magazine after that was published from my living room. Um, Amazing. So for the <laughs> the next uh, 11 issues, mm-hmm. um, took took place uh, in the living room, sometimes in the kitchen, sometimes in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> but it, it, everything became a studio. Um, so... You're asking about the clubs. The there were n- really no real clubs. There were yeah. events that would happen. So um, one of the early ones was at the um, Elks Club uh-huh. um, Lodge, Elks Lodge, in which is um, near MacArthur Park, mm-hmm. and um, some bands played, and it turned into quite a big riot really the the LAPD came out in force and there was nothing going on it was just really a bunch of kids um, uh-huh. listening to bands in a large auditorium and the entire LAPD came out for that and marched up the stairs in formations and um, hit people bloodied people people wow. ran and um, it was it was terrifying mm-hmm. it was really terrifying and I think more than anything it really united the community as as one i would imagine as like cop haters so i mean it that was you know it it was scary it was really 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 scary scary. because people didn't know who you know how to find people they had come with they didn't know where their cars were they didn't know how they were getting home and in those days there was no uber there was no lyft and (laughs) You know, everybody really had to figure out there was no cell phones. Oh, yeah. You know, so getting places was was complex. There was no Internet. Yeah. You know, so everything was word of mouth. And when you lost your your people, it was it was scary. But um, other clubs were Madame Wong's was an early club um, in Chinatown. And the Hong Kong Cafe, oh and God. there was a place called Blackie, started by Paul Greenstein. Um, and then afterwards, we used to all go to the Atomic Cafe, which mm-hmm. was in um, Little Tokyo in those days. And it was open late, and we would all sit there all night long and listen to the jukebox. There was um, <laughs> a wonderful place in L.A. called Vickman's, which was a um, diner, and... It opened for the truckers where it was near the Produce Mart, and we used to go there and wait for donuts to come out after the club's Madame Wong's closed <laughs> or other places closed. Yeah. So L.A. had a it, – it was a very small scene but very sort of specific. Yeah. Everybody could find each other early I love on. That. So what was I, – I have a, a question about um, – so, like, what was Chinatown and Little Tokyo like back in the day? Was it non-existent? Really? Non-existent. That's what I imagined. I guess I was like, it's so cool to hear that there was like stuff going on there. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was. It, it, it's all of these places were kind of ghost towns, and when mm-hmm. the, I think that's why the clubs were able to form in those places is oh, because yeah. they had no, they really had very little to no business, and so they welcomed 
kids or anybody coming in. And um, so Ch Chinatown was easy because it was just... I mean, there were there were two clubs, they, yeah. and they were across the street from each other, and the, the same bands played, and you either played at one or you played at the other. <laughs> That's so, so cool. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was, but it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I would say, and there yeah. was later on there was um, other places like the Cafe de Grand, which was mm -hmm. in Hollywood on a side street, which mm -hmm. is I think a. a live work loft now, um, oh, okay. <laughs> the building or gym yeah. or something. And uh, in those days, it was really down the side street, and you would walk in, and it was a, also a, a Chinese restaurant at the top, and then you would be able to go downstairs, and there was a lounge downstairs that you couldn't see from the street, so that was a club. And wow. on Hollywood Boulevard, there was a place called Raji's, uh -huh. which was a Indian restaurant <laughs> wow. that was a punk club <laughs> also um, that had sort of a main dining area. What, bands was, this, would play? was this like a common thing for a restaurant to be like also like a place for bands to play? Um, I think right? so. Yeah. I mean, it, it's none of these places really had enough. There weren't it, early on. There weren't enough bands that wanted to play and there wasn't yeah. enough. Uh, you know, there, I don't know how to explain exactly, but but, you know, in the late 70s, mm -hmm. there was Kids coming out of art schools, kids in Hollywood, mm -hmm. didn't have money. And so a lot of the businesses aren't as crowded as they are now. Like yeah. now you go down Hollywood Boulevard and every place is filled. You go down yeah. Koreatown, every place is filled at night. Uh -huh. Then it was really, really um, thin, yeah. you know? So so I think everybody, you know, I, I think just wanted wanted the business. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so they're just like we don't care about your music, and we don't really like. They didn't know what it yeah, was. It wasn't that they didn't. It wasn't. They they couldn't even be scared of it yeah. or intimidated by it or anything because there was nothing like it prior. Yeah, there was nothing. So. I guess I just I, in my mind I just imagine them being like kind of intimidated, but being like, oh, well, whatever, you know. It's no, <laughs> no, no, no. They no? were just they were just happy to have business oh, wow. you know so and and <clears throat> i have to say that you know the the early punk scene in hollywood was mm -hmm. super nice oh. it was friendly it's just i mean people associate a certain kind of cliche punks yeah. you know like they're going to tear the place up and do all this <laughs> horrible stuff and um in in the early days it really wasn't <laughs> that kind of scene it was yeah. mostly social and it was friendly and it was really about making stuff and inventing yourself and creating uh you know an identity for yourself and it was yeah. the, the sort of the the reagan the, at the tail end of the reagan era yeah where you know it, it's which killed hollywood because what happened is um they let uh, reagan didn't have um support for hospitals and so there were a lot of mental patients that were let out on the streets and it it really shut areas of the town down um so i think everybody welcomed the kids you know early that's, on that's really good to and know. it was easy to yeah. find a, a a dead space yeah you know? those there were lots available wow. people lived in many of the buildings on broadway uh -huh. um 
there it, it wasn't studio like space a, like then it was just a hole yeah, yeah that you could put on a show or you could re- make something happen so downtown was basically like a ghost town too back in the day oh yeah because not too long well maybe it was a while ago like when i first kind of moved to la mm-hmm. in the early 2000s i felt like even then it was a ghost town yeah it's gone yeah. through two sort of periods of mm-hmm. trying to be a city and i think right now it's it's succeeding pretty yeah, well yeah i mean there's a lot to do then there was nothing to do yeah or like you'd go there at like even before like midnight and it, there would be no one around and you're yeah. like yeah oh. <laughs> yeah so so when we started the the magazine you know it was it was easy in a way because we could I, I i should say that at that time i was the first art director of the la mm-hmm. weekly i designed the the prototype and oh, so yeah. the weekly was a brand new newspaper to los angeles um there was nothing and and the weekly did something that um other papers didn't do which is they mm-hmm. provided a calendar of what was happening around town and because of that, um, I was standing in a place that was the center of the city because every band, every store owner, every everybody had to come into the weekly to to notify us of what their events were, to run an ad, to get a listing. Yeah. And so I met a tremendous amount of people, and I knew what was going on. So mm-hmm. many people that worked at the weekly were also involved with the clubs, were also involved with Nomag, because... I was in this this sort of hub where all this information passed through. And so I would hear about stores opening. And Melrose in those days okay. was a complete ghost town, too. There were um, only a couple stores. The punk stores, the early punk stores were mm-hmm. pos- Poser, um, uh, Cowboys and Poodles. So these, these were, there were only a few places where people could shop. <laughs> I mean, it sounds really crazy, but that's why you get the whole thrift store culture. Yeah, there was no money. Yeah. There was no store. You go to Goodwill, Salvation And Army. there was there was high fashion, but nobody mm-hmm. could afford it. So, yeah. And thrift stores were overloaded with stuff. They weren't picked through. They didn't yeah. have professional buyers in those days or vintage yeah. stores. You could just go in and create all of these wonderful costumes and identities, and everybody dressed from the 50s mm-hmm. and... and all the old clothes and took on God, I, I a new name. I wish I was still like that. I, yeah, me I, too. I can barely <laughs> shop at thrift stores anymore. No, no, that you can't. used to be like my fav- one of my favorite things yeah. to do. Yeah, I was yeah. just I was just in uh, New Mexico and I tried to go thrift mm-hmm. stop shopping for wow. a day. And final, st- and it's it's picked over there too. They oh, already yeah. there. They have buyers. So. Especially like the outskirts. I feel like they just know where to go now. Like, yeah. 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 People do this as a profession. In those mm-hmm. days, it was, you know, basically we would pull up in a car and go into this thrift store, and mm-hmm. everybody would run in a different direction. Yeah. To try and find the coolest stuff, and <laughs> <laughs> and you guys would probably find something. Oh, all it the was. Time. A, well, it was. It's the yeah. years of pre, pre. Um, polyester so so everything you you would find these amazing (laughs) amazing things that were nice to touch yeah (laughs) and you would get um i remember my favorite was getting old red cross shoes which Uh were the all all, everybody would get these old orthopedic shoes you can if you look at the band x xine was always wearing old Uh orthopedic shoes and we all had those so it was pretty fun so interesting. I love this. Um, 
So, okay, so uh, with the bands that used to perform at these different spaces, mm -hmm. what were the main ones that you remember? Uh, not just L.A. bands, but bands from all over. Yeah, um, well, there was the Alley Cats, the, mm -hmm. um, early on the Go-Go's, the Screamers, the Plugs, um, the Weirdos, the Dead Kennedys, Wall of Voodoo... Um, gosh, I, let me see. Um, I, it, I mean, it was so many, you know, so many, oh so my God. many, it so was, many it, good ones. and from out of town, um, uh, the, the damned and mm -hmm. Iggy and, um, James Chance came and the specials and, um, gosh. <laughs> oh, you, you mentioned Black Flag to me. Yeah. That, yeah. So was it like Saccharin Trust? Saccharin Trust, the Minutemen, um, the Meat Puppets, um, so Social Distortion, uh, Christian Death. Oh my God! God, it was it was endless. <laughs> I mean, there, there was just so many incredible, and they were all great. Yeah. Um, L Seven later on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was just there was a lot of bands and. They were all playing all the time. I mean, every yeah. Friday and Saturday night, we'd go to clubs. And the clubs were um, easy to get into. You didn't have to plan it weeks in advance like mm -hmm. you do now, Yeah, which is so weird to me. It's like that you would you have to, you know, find a band and then you order tickets a month in advance. Mm -hmm. And then you... Have, and, you know, you have to think about where you're going to park your car and all this stuff. And <laughs> then you figured out what band you wanted to see, and mm -hmm. you would just pull up when they were coming on stage, mm -hmm. maybe stay through one or two bands tops, be on a guest list. <laughs> there, there's still some places like that. Yeah? Yeah, they exist. God, I... Just I, not, I don't go to the places you're talking about, but, well, every once in a while, but... Yeah, they still exist. Yeah, it was it was just fun because you could just go in um, and see an amazing band, yeah. and then you could they would come off the stage, and you would be friends with that band too. Mm -hmm. You would you, they were everybody was completely approachable. So the same yeah. people that were in the bands were also in the audience. Mm -hmm. So you you had a pretty kind of a, a tight community really mm -hmm. in Hollywood yeah and I think that was one of the nicest parts and I remember going up to San Francisco at the same period of time and they had that too so there was people knew who everybody else was and I know now when I go you know see something from that period of time like one of those bands you still see all the same people will come out and that's kind of a nice thing you recognize the faces you may not re recognize you know, the names. So, um, <clears throat> have you have you guys ever uh, has uh, Subhumans ever played? Subhumans played. Subhumans, um, Crass. Um, well, the Crass wasn't from here. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, they did play. I, I, because Subhumans uh, is from the UK too. Yeah, yeah. Or Sex Pistols. Um. <laughs> <they ever> <laughs> uh, um <laughs> I did not see the Sex Pistols, yeah. I would say, but I did see. Um, were they? Were they like? Did you guys, re you know, 
Because I feel like there's a thing with the Sex Pistols because they became so commercial mm-hmm. that they kind of lost respect, you know, within a certain within certain scenes. I guess that maybe mm-hmm. I, I don't, don't know. Do, I don't think so. I no? think I think everybody really liked them. You know, that's, I, okay, cool. I, yeah, that's what I. I mean, the bands that were most influential in yeah. LA weren't so much the Sex Pistols. I remember when PIL came oh, and yeah. seeing them um, a couple times. That's amazing. And that was super fun. Yeah. But um, the bands that made a difference in LA, I, I remember when mm. the Ramones first came. Okay. And they played the Whiskey. And yeah. that was that was an amazing, amazing, amazing show because yeah. when, when the Ramones came, nobody had heard music like that. It was yeah. really a very new sound they were like one of the first actually and they, right? and they yeah. embodied a lot of the stuff that that hollywood embodied which is that they had humor in their music uh-huh. you know and that was really an important element it's sort of the negation the humor yeah and um the costuming you yeah. know it, it's it's so they were important blondie was really an important performer at the whiskey also uh-huh. um i'm trying to remember who else early on yeah um, but you know, they all played Hollywood because Hollywood was really important. The Clash, yeah. the Clash was a, a huge band in Los Angeles, and wow. they they played the Palladium, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's a show where everybody went to. Because I think that a lot of the time, at least from my knowledge, people don't realize that the punk or you know, <laughs> I guess I'll call it, yeah punk music. Um, didn't actually originate in the UK like most people think it did. It actually originated here in the US. Mm-hmm. And like mostly in New York and probably a little bit of LA too or some something like that, right? Well, I mean, there there was a kind of a scene yeah. everywhere. And mm-hmm. I think it was just a lot of people feeling the same sort way of, yeah. in slightly different ways. I mean, in the UK, they had you know the queen <laughs> and yes, and we had yes. ronald reagan you know it's and and true. we had we 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 everybody was anti you know we it was sort of post disco post high record so production kind of all retaliation to that kind of yeah thing. and yeah. and overproduced um records big yeah. record company kind of deals and young people being very shut out out of yeah you know, wanting the, to do their own thing, yeah, DIY, and so it um, it kind of came up everywhere. And I think every scene is very distinctive. Like the the New York scene and the New York bands were very different than the LA bands. The LA bands yeah. was very very different. And later on, the the uh, South Bay bands were even more different. You know, the 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 Black Flag, the Minutemen, and so when that that's a sort of a, a second wave of punk mm-hmm. in LA. The first bands, I don't know if they even saw themselves as punk they they were just bands yeah i like that yeah. um the reason why i asked about the sex pistols and mm-hmm. uh, because uh lydia lynch was on here uh-huh. last year around the same time actually right. <laughs> she she had nothing very positive to say about the sex pistols um because she felt like they were kind of like a, a sham in a way and because of because they were so commercial yeah. they made punk kind of look like a joke in a way, and so yeah. when she when she was talking about that on the show, I was it you know, I was. Like, I think oh. we. I, I think we. I don't know. You know, I, I, I can only speak yeah. for. I can't speak for the whole scene, but yeah, I can yeah, speak for sort of the magazine and us. And um, we didn't really. I mean, see them as part of the scene. 
Oh, okay, yeah. So that it was just music that was out there, and we liked the look. Yeah. But but I think the the thing about the Sex Pistols is that they were sort of created, made. It wasn't an organic. Okay, she says something very similar, actually. Kind of yeah. band, whereas a lot of the, the L.A. stuff was very organic. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't... They weren't musicians. Mm-hmm. We weren't musicians. We weren't anything. We were just, you know, kind of like a group of friends who wanted to get up on stage. So it's like anybody could be a singer. Anybody could be a musician. Anybody could be a performer. Anybody mm-hmm. could be, uh, you know, dressed crazy. It, it, it was kind of like a, an in, a time of invention mm-hmm. and openness. I would say, yeah, you know, and and people were super interested in art. People were super interested in the beats. Um, people were interested in old country music, Patsy Cline and Hank Williams. So, the the references were were never the Sex Pistols for the scene. Yeah, the references were, you know. Art and and yeah. okay, I think you just had to like be there to yeah. actually experience what it was like because she said something very similar. She said exactly what you're saying, but you know she's a very strongly opinionated right. person. So everything she says, like if she's she's awesome, dis- distaste for it, yeah, yeah, she really lets you know. Yeah, so that's basically like the vibe that she gave me. But um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Can you can you tell us any specific stories? Uh, about, um, let's see, I'm going to say Iggy Pop. Do you have any stories about Iggy Pop? I have no Iggy Pop (laughs) stories, but I can tell you, (laughs) I, I, I would, I, I mean, I, I've never met Iggy Pop. Mm -hmm. I wish I had, um, well, I I probably still could, but, um, (laughs) but I, I can say that he was an amazing influence, Mm -hmm. um, on, on Bruce, who was my partner, who formed the magazine, I'd say that's probably his favorite music was the you know old blues, Iggy Pop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for sure, that's the stuff we were listening to. Um, the "I Want to Be Your Dog" is, you know, genius. Absolutely, absolute genius. So <laughs> that and um, "I'm a Human Fly" by the Cramps, the two greatest songs, oh, if you ask the me, Cramps, yeah. ever. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, yeah, I don't have an Iggy Pop story. I can tell you some funny stuff that we did with the magazine because the magazine, the way we would work yeah. was, um, to go, everybody was pretty drunk and pretty fucked up in, in those periods of time. And, um, we would go to these shows at night and sort of wait for the last band to finish and um, grab a band and take them home. And we had built this kind of um, cove inside of a a studio space where we would uh, bring the bands into. And during the day, what Bruce and I would do is is create a unique look for the cove, meaning um, we would drag pieces of palm tree in, we would tear billboards down, we would take pieces of bus benches, we would, um, I don't know, take things off of the sides of nursery schools, and we'd come back and we'd nail it to this cove, and we would paint over it, and we would create these backdrops, essentially, for bands later. So then after the show, when the bands were drunk, we would uh, bring them 
to the studio, and they were usually tired and a little bit relaxed and very drunk. And everybody would just hang out, and it would be sort of fun. And then Bruce would turn off the lights, and he would shoot photographs. And so it was a kind of a very unique thing that he created where um, the people that were having their photographs taken just thought it was sort of a a party and didn't know where the camera was coming from. They uh-huh. couldn't so tell. Kind of it would just flash mm-hmm. in the dark and because we had sort of created this space very consciously uh-huh. um but everybody else saw it as just you know a pile of junk uh-huh. um we we were able to have a lot of fun and take these amazing photos and people on stage usually know how to pose for a camera or they are more self-conscious when there's a camera pointing at him, but this in this way they couldn't tell where the camera was ever. So I think we were able to get a look inside the magazine that nobody else did. Mm-hmm. Um, other things we did was um, I remember driving um, the band Social Distortion out to Edwards Air Force Base because we were going to have their picture taken with the space shuttle, we thought. And I remember <laughs> calling up... Um, the Edwards Air Force Base and making an appointment for No Magazine as their press secretary. Uh-huh. And then putting everybody in the backseat of my little sob in those days. And so I had the whole band in my car. And I remember driving through the desert for a couple hours. And we went up there and we were actually able to get in. And they, they showed us around and we had lunch. And then we took wow. photos. And we would take um, one of the photographers that also worked with us was Bob Seidemann who um, is a really, really famous photographer that took all of the early Jefferson Airplane and Grateful Dead photos, and he's quite famous. He took the famous uh, Janis Joplin picture where half of her face is, is covered, and it's it's just a brilliant old poster. If you go up uh-huh. to Haight-Ashbury, you can buy it everywhere. <laughs> but anyway, um, so he was up there, and we also took the band... Um, uh, gosh, I'm... I'm losing my mind. Um, I can't remember the other band we took up there, but, um, oh my gosh, I'm blank. Um, (laughs) (coughs) senior punk moment here. Um, anyway, we took another band up, up there and, um, photographed them also in the middle of the desert, Mm -hmm. um, with rockets and things like that. We took the adolescents to Disneyland, which was <laughs> seemed uh, like a perfect idea. So a lot of what the magazine did was sort of pair unusual people and take them to unusual places and mm-hmm. put them in unusual situations. And, um, you know, it was really never about reporting so much of the truth. It's like each each kind of thing was about creating an art project and Mm -hmm. I think that's why it became harder and harder to publish because we weren't really we weren't publishing straight interviews we weren't doing reportage Mm -hmm. we were doing sort of creative work based on the way we saw the world Mm -hmm. um so it's a a different kind of approach to this Mm. um that being said I remember Christian death in my bathtub when I came home. I remember, um, uh, <laughs> I, I remember uh, people walking around in the nude in my kitchen make, cooking frijoles because they were hungry. I remember uh, people in 
the living room. I, I remember Raymond Pettibone um, in my living room sketching. I mean, it, 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 it's just everybody in it, you know, just came through, and it was fun. So I asked you uh, when I met you at the, um, the book fair, mm -hmm. um, who was one of your favorite bands? Um, and you mentioned the Screamers. I, yes. So I, w I was wondering if you had any stories about the Screamers, and did they ever uh, were they ever featured in the magazine? The the um, tomato is on the cover of the magazine, and um, it you know he was such a nice person and such a interesting person and an artist, and I think you know it it. It's really, you know, again, it's all these people had such um, personas, but everybody was really nice. <laughs> and I just loved, I, I loved the Screamers, and I loved Tomato, and I loved um, KK. And these are all people that are, you know, I'm still somewhat friendly with. Um, I also love the Flesh Eaters, which is an early band, and Chris Desjardins is... Um, you know, of course, still around, and they just played recently at the he Echo. A, he wrote a book, too. He's right? wrote several books. He's wrote several I, I, books. I think there's yeah. like five or six now. Okay. But And he also ran the Cinematheque, I believe. Um, Have you ever been to uh, Tomato's, like, art shows? Um, I know his art. I have not been to the art shows. Mm -hmm. I know about the art shows. And we had the studio next to uh, Tomato uh, up in... Uh, on Las Palmas and Hollywood Boulevard, so we had uh, a studio right, right next door to him for quite some time. Okay. So he was very good friends of, of Bruce's as well. And he, oh, okay. You want band stories <laughs> from me, and I'm not so great no, on band no, stories. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, yeah, I didn't know that he was on one of the covers of yeah. the Nomad. Oh wait, you have a photo. <laughs> I think I do. Hang on. Let me see here. Of course, I brought everyone but the one that's on where he's on there, I think. Yeah. So the only one I didn't bring today is the one that he's on. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's totally okay. There, there you go. Yeah. So that's how it is. Um, Tell us about the other people that are featured on the covers, and um, okay. a little bit about the artists involved as well. Um, um, okay, and, the, yeah. so one of our favorite artists is, is Raymond Pettibon. Mm -hmm. um, he is on the cover uh, with a oh. Charles, Charles Manson drawing that says, <laughs> I'm sick of sex. Um, and Raymond was uh, the younger brother of uh, Greg Ginn, who uh, is Black Flag, uh -huh. Form Black Flag, and um, so in those days, Raymond was doing a lot of the album covers for Black Flag. That's what he's really known for, and a lot of band flyers for South Bay bands, mm -hmm. Circle Jerks. Um, uh, he does work with them also, and uh, anyway, um, so Raymond is all over these magazines, and on the cover, we have Johanna Went um, on. A cover also. Um, Johanna Went is a performance artist, and in mm -hmm. those days she used to get up on stage and um, she would make costumes, and they, the costumes would transform from uh, one thing or another. There was uh, blood, and there was uh, 
animal parts. There was all kinds of things, and there was yarn and um, sort of totem kind of things. And one thing would evolve into another, and Johanna would perform with a band. So it was as if she was a band, but she basically would make various sounds and almost mm -hmm. like talking in town tongues kind tongues. of thing uh -huh. um and it was super exciting and wild to see her perform and she's um featured in these magazines a lot um we have some photos by ed culver who shot for the magazine later on as mm -hmm. well and he has some of the early punk stuff in ed um, because he's tall, yeah. uh, was able to get some of the most amazing live shots ever mm -hmm. um, of bands and some of the really iconic photography mm -hmm. from that period where, where um, yeah, he, he just did amazing stuff. So we had Saccharine Trust. Um, another artist we had was Fred Tomaselli, who is also a big artist living in um, uh, Brooklyn right now. Um, mm -hmm. And Fred Tomaselli um, at that time was wow, just uh, like that. straight, whoops, <laughs> was straight out of school and Wait, doing... how many penises does that guy have? Uh, quite a photo? few. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have, uh, let's see, Eva O is in the magazine who just recently performed. Um, who else do we have here? 45 Grave. And the Plugs, that was one of my favorite bands. So the Plugs oh. were uh, uh, Tito Lariva, um, who who formed a band that came out of East L.A., mm -hmm. and they were incredible. They were fan. they were amazing to yeah. see. Um, Monitor, Middle Class, Social Distortion. Um, were you were you at all a part of the uh, what, uh, decline of Western civilization? I like the germs, right? Um, oh, of course, the germs. I forgot the germs. How can you forget I just thought the about germs? Just now. Yeah. <laughs> and the gun, the Gun Club, another amazing LA band. That's what I mean. There were just so many, you know. Um, Penelope Spears is all over these magazines. She appears in three or four of our issues, and we've done. Um, photo shoots with her and um, interviews with her and all kinds of stuff. So mm -hmm. she was somebody we knew quite well. Um, who else? Uh, so uh, you would interview these these people, right? Yeah. And, different bands and, and, and then sort of riff off of that. Mm -hmm. So, again, they're not, uh, they're not straight interviews yeah which is my favorite thing <laughs> yeah i mean that, i think that's one of the reasons that this the magazine holds up it holds up graphically because mm -hmm. uh you know it was never really about presenting truth yeah it's more loose yeah it's more fun and yeah. and also everything every element was creative like the layouts mm -hmm. um are creative the photo shoots the backgrounds mm -hmm. the band the people themselves are interesting um and it was really about trying to capture the spirit of the times um, another band tex and the horse heads the super heroines um nervous gender um, all great bands, all amazing bands. Um, uh, artists in the magazine are um, Peter Chung, mm -hmm. who went on to do Eon Flux. So we were th the first. Oh um, <laughs> it's like one of my all-time favorite like animated shows. Oh my god! 
Yeah. You have no idea how much this means to me. So we were... I, okay. Um, Lane Smith was another artist. Um, you know, of course... Who else? X. Um, Legal Weapon, I think I mentioned them already. Um, the Flyboys. Gosh. Um... And then the rockabilly bands, the mm-hmm. Hollywood Hillbillies. So, um, would you would you interview these bands yourself with like other? I I did a couple interviews mm-hmm. in in these magazines personally. Yeah. I also contributed some drawings, and I did a lot of the layout, mm-hmm. and almost all of the layout. I sold all the ads. Yeah. And did the layout on those. <laughs> I did the distribution. I mean, everybody did every everybody. Bruce and I, and there was also Frank Argani, a photographer that worked with us early on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I think, you know, it, it was all Bruce's vision and, um, yeah, it was it, it was Bruce's vision sort of imprinted on all of us and we would just go out and drag interesting people back and do crazy stuff with them. <laughs> so some of the bands we interviewed and some of the bands we just told stories about and some mm-hmm. of the, some of the bands... We published stories about that we thought what what it should like be like to interview them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's this is the photo shoot oh. out in the desert. One of them, the social distortion that I was talking about. Um, the vandals. After and, you tell the story, it's like great to actually see like the the photos and yeah, oh, that's really great. Um, let's see what else. Look, oh. Roz Williams. Oh, Roz. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, wow, like ev- everyone. <laughs> no, everybody's in here. I mean, and if if I, you know, now I have a this cabinet where I have all the negatives, mm-hmm. and I think we shot every band in Los Angeles at at some point. And actually, um, Bruce, I remember at one point went uh, to with Roz to his home, which is his family home which was t- in Tustin and he drove out there and I remember hearing the story of how Roz lived on the edge of this sort of farm land undeveloped farm country and it was the only house out there and um yeah it was just a, this great story about how this this guy that that was the first in goth right definitely it- here's a list of Bands from Sub Hollywood, which is a book we wrote. But if you read it, you can just see what what was up in L.A. <laughs> oh my God, between seventy-seven and eighty-two. That's a lot of bands. And that's not all of them, I'm sure. That's what's that's who's in in the magazine. Yeah, bands. I mean, of course, I've, I haven't heard of, like, a lot of these. But what's fun but, is the names. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, I guess I'll read some of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard of the urinals. Um, Castration Squad. Fibonacci's. Mm-hmm. Amazing band. Oh, I know Rick Elric. Mm-hmm. The Fibonacci's oh. were a band that, that riffed off of, um, I guess, uh, cultural music, music uh-huh. from other countries, and would incorporate it into their punk and Maggie Song was the lead singer, and she's all over the magazine as well, so are the Fibonacci's. Um, there's Toxic Shock. Mm-hmm. 
Dee Dee Troy. I've heard of. That's a her, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard of her. Overkill, Ozzy Hairs, Youth Brigade. I used to like Youth Brigade when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> I I honestly can't listen to them anymore, but I did like them at one point. Um, the Slashers, The Outsiders of Screws, Spitting Teeth of Idiots, Stingers. And Go. the list goes on. Uh-huh. Millions of Dead Cops. Great name. <laughs> <laughs> Battalion of Saints, Stepmothers, Fast Freddy, Toiling Midgets. Amazing. Thank you. It's for you. Oh, really? The book. Oh, my God. So the book is, is if you turn the book over, this is oh. the book Sub-Hollywood. There okay. has a, there's a disclaimer under the picture, which okay. maybe you could read. Which is Okay. Um... This, this book, the quote. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, okay. So it says the quote's from Bruce Chen, or Kane? Kane, which is Kane? which is actually Bruce Calvert, who's the publisher of the magazine. It's a, oh. written under a pseudo name, and we put that out. Okay. Um, it says, this is an autobiographical novel written by a person who is quite possibly less intelligent than yourself. Which I think just about sums it up. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. That's how I feel when I do interviews sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I think like that's I, how we I all I don't know what I'm feel. doing, but, you know, it's fun. Yeah. Um, that's really great. Thank you so much for this book. You're welcome. I'm going to read You're welcome. This. That's a, a book we published in 2005 about the, the L.A. scene. So I know you as a fan... Definitely, and I can tell you read, so <laughs> it's exciting to me. I try, but it's to. it has a Gary Panter cover, and uh -huh. Gary Panter went on. I mean, I think what he's was known for in 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 the day was he created the Jimbo comic, which mm -hmm. was the sort of precursor character, or it, it it defined what punk should look like in art in a way. Yeah. Um, and so he created that. But what he's known for is he won several Emmys for the. Pee-wee's Playhouse. He designed all oh, of yeah, the. Oh yeah, you told me about that stuff. And um, there's a Raymond Pettibone in there, and there's a um, Rolling Stone review by Michael Gilmore on the back. So it's a pretty good read, and it's a fictionalized um, sort of story about what it's like to publish a magazine and be in Hollywood during that period of time. But mm -hmm. I think if you, if one was interested in that, um, you would get a real sense of what Hollywood was like and, and many of the questions you're asking me. Oh, yeah, the dead boys. Yeah. <laughs> I see them here. Yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. That's what's amazing. I, it's just the list goes on and on and on and on. And they were all good. Yeah. I mean, it's like all these bands and all these people were good. And not only that, they're... they're Many of them are still good now. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing is that that a lot of this stuff really holds up. Yeah, speaking of, I just saw Sucker and Trust. Oh, wow. Maybe it wasn't too recently, but it was last year sometime. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was really great. And they played, like, in a really you know, shitty hole in the wall somewhere. <laughs> but there was a bunch of kids that, you know, know who they are and, like, love them. And it was really, it was really fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you seen L7? I've never seen L7, but oh. I've wanted to. Okay, yeah. so L7 is performing again after 15 years. Oh, I mean, a lot of these yeah. bands have, have yeah, reformed. Yeah. And um, and they're, they're amazing. L L7 is, I just saw them a couple times recently. Mm -hmm. And... They just blew me away. They were just yeah. Those girls rock like they were, you know, so, eighteen years old. 
Yeah. Were they, they were around at that time? Yeah. I did not know that. For some reason, like, you know when Bam actually popular? Yeah. You assume that they actually came out, like, the time that they are, you know, getting actually, like, you know, popular. <laughs> no, well, they, they were, they were around a lot, a lot longer before that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. This is, um, this is, I'm a photo of Maggie Song from the Fibonacci's right here. And these are some yeah. of the sets that we talked about where we would make... Yeah, yeah, the palm. Make the crazy sets, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, those photos are awesome. The Circle Jerks, Keith Morris. Oh, before he, like, yeah. did stuff. Because everybody looks like children. <laughs> everybody looks like children yeah, in yeah. here now, but um, these are, I mean... I think that's the amazing thing is all these people are still still playing. They yeah. still have something to say. Yeah. They're still relevant and um I think it, it you know I I remember going to see like revival bands, mm-hmm. you know, like or when the, all of a sudden at Disneyland you'll see, you know, some somebody <laughs> that used to be famous kind of thing. At Disneyland? And, yeah. And or or you know, I I mean, I, I, I guess my, my, my point is, is that, that I, all of these bands, when I go see them, they've mm-hmm. evolved. You know, when you see Mike Watt play now, yeah, it's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. It's just fucking amazing, you know? It's yeah. like the, the, the sort of wall of sound that comes at you. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, you know? And, and all these people just grew. They grew as musicians. They grew as human beings. They grew as, you know, sort of politically, you know. All these people are alive on Instagram still, you know. So, True. And and active. True. I mean, they're either they're either <laughs> dead or they're making noise. Yeah. There's not much in between. Still. There's not. I don't think anybody sort of gave up the fight. They just. I'm I'm really happy they're still they're still you know working. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. Really happy about that. Um, yeah, there's always some sort of, like, revival going on, like, every so often, where, like, a certain, you know, sort of scene and music will become popular again, and I don't really know if I'm making sense, but I think that, like, what I've noticed lately is definitely punk has always been around, like... For me growing up, it's always existed, mm-hmm. which you can't say that for a lot of other different like kind, kinds of scenes and genres mm-hmm. and music and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like punk has always been around because when I was 14, that's when I was like starting to get into it. And I just like anywhere I go, like I went from Hawaii uh-huh. <laughs> to where there, there's still a very like pretty, you know, I think there's a pretty serious punk scene there still. It's a little backwards though. Like it's it's a very slow moving. Does it have to do state. with like like skate, <laughs> skate culture? You know, surfing, skate. That's that's a whole thing too. The, yeah, they they took that and they they really ran with it. I mean, a lot of Definitely, the early sort yeah. of backdrop music for all of that. Yeah, there's a lot punk. of pop punky, but there's a there's a hardcore scene there too. You know, there's <laughs> um, there's like you know. 
a ska scene that still exists there, which is so mind-boggling to me. But it's really cool. It's it like I said, it's a very slow-paced kind of you know, place to live. So everything moves a lot slower and things go away a lot slower. And I, I, it's funny that those things have, have never gone away. And even moving to LA after that, when I was 18, there's still always a punk scene that exists that yeah, will never go away. Yeah, because I think and punk is a, a, an attitude as much as yeah. it is a music form, you know? And, and I think it's, there's a lot of stuff now, you know, it's a good time to be Definitely. a punk. You know? it's Excuse, a, yeah, I feel like a lot uh, of stuff to be pissed off about right now. You know, it, the same thing. It reminded me of when I was talking to Lydia uh, lunch about it. Um, she also mentioned how punk was more of an attitude too. And so, you know, like calling <laughs> the scene punk wasn't really what you guys did actually. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but it, everything it, needs it, a label. It was about yeah. yeah, it was about a tone, and you know, it it was a lot about sort of like Dada, you know, mm-hmm. like taking things and turning them on their side, and just questioning mm-hmm. why things had to be a certain way, and going like, well, what if they were this way instead, and you know, sort of challenging authority or challenging the norm in a lot of ways and challenging with a lot of humor, I would say, you know? And with that. all the shitty politics that we have going on now, like where you wake up every day and, mm-hmm. you know, it gets worse than the day before and you can't believe it, um, you know, it's a really great time for punk. <laughs> yeah, that's what they, they say about, like, yeah, music starts to get a little, you know, better too maybe <laughs> maybe that's not the right well, way no, to, no it's no it's not true it's, it's true. true yeah the economy it, it's because you realize you have to <laughs> fight for the things that yeah it kind of wakes people want. up a little bit yeah i think you know maybe yeah. things were a little bit more dormant yeah and then it wakes people up it definitely woke me up like i didn't I was never really a follower of politics, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I can't say that I am that much right now, but I definitely am now more so than I ever have been, which is really weird. <laughs> because you're going to find the things that you believe in threatened at some point. Definitely. And, and that's, it's, you know, like I mean... Planned when it, when, Parenthood, for example. Climate control. You <laughs> climate know, control. You know, it's definitely. like... Definitely. You know, it, 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 it's treating people like people instead yeah. of like, you know trash you know it's uh, and and it's yeah it's just human values are things that i think we we all you know sort of softened up a little bit on Mm -hmm. um and everybody got a little bit complacent and quiet and now we're i think at least personally i'm realizing that i'm gonna have to fight to get these things back and and it's weird for me because i've lived through a, cons- a conservative time, and then it got crazy time. You know, I lived through the hippies, too. So it's like, I, you know, there's this this period of time where it's sort of free love and it's open, and then you have punk and you're just, like, going for it all the time. And then the last uh, 15 years where you just thought things were going to get better. It felt like they were going to get better, but they've gotten worse. So it's time Time to do some, uh, get some creative energy going. I agree. And I, it's sad, you know, that this person is our president right now, but it's also, uh, 
creating some good things at the same time. <laughs> I, I certainly like I, said, I certainly hope something I, good will come out yeah, of it. Yeah, I think, if anything, it, you know, yeah, I think hopefully this will maybe get people to pay attention a little bit more to what's going on in the world. Right. I, think, to, yeah, I think we're all going to have generally. to. Generally. Because we, yeah. we've already, we've now seen what happens when we go to sleep. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and so this this is I guess this is like a thing yeah. that happens like every every decade, right? Every ten mm-hmm. years or so, mm-hmm. where someone will come into office. We're like, no, <laughs> fuck, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, <clears throat> I want to. Yeah, I guess I want to ask you a little bit more about. Um, what your uh um how do i say uh <laughs> what you know what you did with the magazine and like what were your favorite moments and okay um maybe so like uh talk a little bit about bruce mm-hmm. so what how, how did you meet bruce i met bruce at the la weekly mm-hmm. um where again i was the art director and he was working there very Temporarily in the, uh, I, I think, uh, in the accounting room for a minute or two. And I remember walking into him and we just instantly connected. And I remember him taking me by the hand and going, come on. And we walked out of this sort of ratty building on Sunset where the weekly was. We went downstairs and he had this old VW bug parked downstairs. And it was filled completely completely with mm-hmm. magazines the front seat the back seat i mean it's like you could it, it looked like he was living in it almost and he he opened the door and he said this is what i make and he showed me the issue and he said come on and then we walked around the corner to where he lived and he goes so do you want to live together and i said okay and it was that fast <laughs> and it was literally within Two weeks of meeting each other, he mm-hmm. had let his place go, and all the magazines were in my car and in my house, and that's how it began. And so he he started in 1978, mm-hmm. and it was it was four issues in. Yeah, and then about. he has a, and then he shows up at my house, uh-huh. and <laughs> and Frank Argani, who was the photographer that mm-hmm. he was working with at at, at that point. Um, yeah. Uh, so him and Frank, Frank had this this old uh, Mercury and like really kind of cherried out, um, and we'd ride around in this old old car, um, all of us, and they would go interview bands, and we would just you know sort of in the morning there would just be this itinerary of things that had to happen. You know mm-hmm. we're going to find this band, we're going to find an artist that does this, mm-hmm. and. And that's how the days were spent, you know, and then I'd go off to work and then it'd be like Bruce would say, okay, we need to sell some ads because we've got to have this thing printed. And I'd go up and down Melrose and go into stores and ask them to buy ads. And um, at one point, Bruce and I opened a bank account and we, he wanted to have, uh, he wanted to make Nomag official. So we 
I remember uh, we had a, we had a '53 Ford, mm -hmm. aqua colored '53 Ford that nice. um, wouldn't <laughs> would not start most of the time, and uh -huh. we needed a push start. So I remember push starting the car, and we drove to Beverly Hills, and we went to the bank of Beverly Hills where we opened the first Nomag account. <laughs> and so once every every month we would drive to the bank of Beverly Hills in the in the car um, to check on our business. Um, it was it was pretty fun. Oh, I, I can tell you another cool thing we did. We we had a couple benefits. We had mm -hmm. one benefit that was in a, um, I guess, a set of recording studios out in the valley, and it was kind of really kind of the equivalent of the, a garage. And uh, the the bangs, which before they were the bangles, mm -hmm. um, played. So that was their first show, and a lot of. Other bands played, and it was really fun. And then afterwards, we recorded a, rec a radio commercial with mm -hmm. um, the Bangles, which is still, you can still find that on the Internet. YouTube? We, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you can you find, if you look up uh, Nomag radio commercial or, or Bangles, you can get that. And it's, it's really pretty wonderful, pretty special. Um, we also put out two <laughs> records. We put out a record... Um, they were flexi discs that were inserted in the magazine. So, um, one with Geza X, uh, who is a music producer mm -hmm. who started out at the mask producing all the bands okay. and, uh, is still doing it now. And now is working on a film about the punk era. Um, and, uh, another one with wild kingdom, which mm -hmm. was a band out of East LA, mm -hmm. um, so th those were kind of unusual things that we did. So we were a magazine, again, like sort of um, expanding the idea of what a magazine is or does. So we were sort of, a, you know, a little mini record company. We were doing strange, just all kinds of strange little things. And, and I don't think anybody was really doing that stuff in that era. Um, what else can I tell you about? Um so Bruce and I met, um, he moved in, and we... Wait, sorry, were you guys yeah. living in Hollywood? We were. You were living in Hollywood? Okay. We were living off of uh, Melrose and Western on Serrano Street. Okay. And so what what was it like living in Hollywood then? Um, <laughs> well, living in Hollywood then was... There were... The places people would go is there were there was a place called Johnny's Steakhouse on mm -hmm. Hollywood Boulevard, which was sort of a poor man's version of a, a, a steakhouse Outback? and had a mural. No, more <laughs> like it was like Musso and Frank's, which was the high end, uh -huh. and Johnny's was the low end okay. <laughs> on the Hollywood Boulevard, and it had murals on the walls. And we'd go up there. There was um, some Indian restaurants. Um, and there was lots of burrito places. As and, always. And as <laughs> always, there was no K-Town. There was that non-existent. Oh, what? So Chinatown and Koreatown. No, Chinatown and, and Little, Little Tokyo. And Little Kingston. Tokyo was very tiny, too. I mean, it was yeah. only a block long. And um, so those, the, and in Little Tokyo, there was... Uh, uh, a place called also Suhiro, which was uh, which is still there. It's still there, I go there. Which used to be open. Um, uh, In I, think the wee it, hours. I don't remember if it was twenty four hours, but it might have been open to like two or three or something like that. I love that. Place. And there was the pantry downtown, which mm -hmm. in those days was twenty four hour, and you would, you know, we'd wind up there in Philippe's. 
Oh, wow. Those, that's so these exists. were, yeah, and that's the old Hollywood places and Musos. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so life then was, <laughs> I, I don't know, you know, it's, it, it's just hard to describe. I mean, we'd all work during the day and then mm-hmm. we'd go to clubs at night. And there were, there was still like, there was, you know, a pretty good gay scene also. So there mm-hmm. were a lot of dance clubs that, yeah. w- that were opening and a right. lot of sort of, gay punk like queer core yeah yeah were you stuff. were you into that a little bit yeah. i mean you know that, that's that again at the early part of the scene mm-hmm. it wasn't separate i mean it's yeah. like it, it's like nobody thought about like what color you were nobody yeah. thought about you know what religion you were nobody thought about whether you were gay or straight or any of that stuff it was really very much mixed together you know so it was it, it was just you know, like like we talked about, it was the attitude. It was a, a a way of looking at the world, you know, and feeling like a an outsider within the world. It wasn't, yeah. And then coming together as a bunch of yeah, outsiders. just like just that want like people that want to have fun, and it, it yeah. really wasn't, yeah. It 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 didn't punk didn't discriminate yeah at all, you know, against anybody. I mean, it was open to anybody. Have you ever seen Limp Wrist? No. <laughs> I love that band. Don't know that band. We were talking about Queercore. Uh-huh. Um, I don't believe they're from L.A., but... Or are they? I don't know. I, I don't, don't think so, though. No, I don't know them. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I, I wanted to ask about the goth scene as well. Mm-hmm. Like, was that very, like, much like you guys would all Th- That happens together. later. That, oh, that happens, happens later. later. Okay. You know, it's there's Christian Death, there was 45 Grey, there was yeah. a, lot of, a lot of bands that sort of, you know, started to... to uh, so, 80s. Yeah. Once you step into the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. It starts to be a little different, and, um, yeah, yeah, 80s. Yeah. Like, mid-80s, you see that. Mm-hmm. Were you were you into that at all? Like even after No Mag, like I'm into all of it. You, you delved into all of those. I'm into all of it. I mean, when no, no Mag ended, I I started working for a film company, and okay. I was working all the time. And almost everybody that worked with me or for me yeah. was also in bands. I mean, it it. it it's, I took all my friends with me, mm-hmm. and the place was right across the street from a place called Club Lingerie, which was across mm-hmm. the street. And so we would come out of work and go to Club Lingerie and then go back into work, sometimes not even go home. <laughs> <laughs> and would you go straight to work after that? Sometimes, yeah. That doesn't so, happen. No, right? I know it can't no. happen now. It can't. None of that can happen now. That's that's why it was so crazy. I mean, there were after hours clubs. Um, there was the zero, zero mm-hmm. one. Um, John Pokno mm-hmm. ran all all these places, which were really almost like a speakeasy kind of oh. situation. So people would go there after clubs and just you know sit on couches oh, and and talks so till the sun <laughs> till the sun came up, and yeah. then they'd go wherever they went. So um, it was fun. <laughs> this was this was like on the weekdays too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was a, a kind of a a twenty four hour, seven day a week kind of thing where you, you know you you kind of always knew where everybody was, yeah. and it wasn't really about making the scene. It was just mm-hmm. like that's what you did. <laughs> it was like part of who you were. 
you know, mm-hmm. or at least for me, it was, it was very much that. You know, again, it didn't. The scene didn't require planning. Yeah, it just required. You know, you just was, show up. Yeah, you just show up. Yeah, if you show up, you're there. Yeah. So, who are some of your favorite like goth bands? <sighs> you can just name one or two. Well, and I don't know. I really liked Christian Death, and I really yeah. liked Forty Five Grave. Was an amazing mm-hmm. band, and I'd say those were two bands that I I followed. I, I, you know, it's really funny. It's like when I look at the magazines now. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember what's in what magazine because I've opened and closed them and lived yeah. lived it so many times that my. Cr- chronology of mm-hmm. events is is messed up you know yeah no, i know it's like i'm really aware of it and it's like if somebody brings up something it's like oh yeah i i, <laughs> yeah. I did that but it was it, because we lived sort of fast mm-hmm. and a lot and it was all like one long day i mean i had 10 years that was one long day to me <laughs> you know and it blurs together so it's not so much that i forget but I just, it's its a big blur because we did a lot. Yeah. And you know, and it was crazy. 77 from 84, there was a lot going on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had, like, your No Wave, too. You said James Chance came here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure you hung out with Lydia Lunch. Mm-hmm. I'm she's, assuming. A, she's, in the ma- <laughs> she's in the magazine. Yeah. She's all over the magazine. Um, yeah, Bruce loved Lydia. She oh, came yeah. over that we had a studio and uh, he built a set She's on her. really we funny. Have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, also kind of difficult to talk to because she kind of, she kind of has very strong opinions about everything. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> the, that's no, the beauty of like, Lydia. I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like. Something was mentioned about something, and I was like, I had a very strong opinion, too. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of fighting about it. <laughs> Which was funny, because I, I, I feel like as an interviewer, you're not really supposed to. You're just supposed to let them talk, you know? Mm-hmm. But I felt so strongly about it that I, like, went in, and, like, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I love her. She's so great. So funny. Like, really awesome personality. And I could say the same for you too. You're really fun to talk to. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Like I really appreciate the time. Welcome. It was <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, in saying that, like you've experienced a whole lot with that whole thing and Nomag and outside of Nomag, <clears throat> I would say like you know after the '80s started, there's a whole lot of stuff happening that. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about it? Like, oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, no. I mean, specifically, like, with uh, with No Wave, um, with uh, a little bit more about like maybe like politics. If you can like <laughs> take us down that route a little bit, I could tell, like, and, take you down a different route. Um, okay. After. The mid eighties. Mm-hmm. I think what happened. I can talk about it a little more culturally. I think what happened to a lot of people is they got a little bit older, mm-hmm. and had to work. Yeah. And couldn't maintain the sort of fucked up lifestyle of being out twenty four hours a day and yeah and going on. And a lot of people 
were looking for a way to monetize what they did, mm-hmm. or they were just too burned out. Yeah. Um, and so I know personally both Bruce and I, I mean, I I got more and more into advertising and films and sort of the music scene had changed. It's like a lot of the hardcore punk started to take over mm-hmm. and it really wasn't what we were interested in. It was more angry. Yeah, yeah. it was it was it was not fun to go out, you know, you'd come back bruised and it wasn't fun. The music was still great, mm-hmm. but um, the in- atmosphere wasn't as fun. And uh, I think for a lot of people, they just looked about different ways, you know, because we weren't musicians, we were artists. And so... You know, our lives went in a slightly different direction. It really was about making making stuff and not necessarily putting it out publicly. Mm-hmm. So we didn't, I wouldn't say we didn't go out as much. I think we just did different things. So it's difficult for me to talk about music in the 90s. Yeah. Because... You know, I mean, I went to see a band here and there. I mm-hmm. went to do this and that, but my my life changed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still go see music, but mm-hmm. I don't go clubbing like I used to. So it's you know, again, I'm not the best person to talk to about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I go, oh, no, you I, know, I go yeah. to art galleries, I go to museums. You know, these days I teach, yeah. So it's a slightly different way that I live mm-hmm. um, that being said you know I just bought a ticket for the Yardbirds I'm going to go see that I just uh, I saw L7 a bunch of times um, do you, you like know, Depeche Mode? I do <laughs> I do. are you going to see them? I when just they... heard that they're, they're yeah. wh- where are they playing? it's May 22nd so it's this weekend I'm, I'm do- I, yeah. got, I got another book fair this weekend <laughs> oh but they're playing in Anaheim Yeah, and then I think they're playing in Sacramento mm. after that. I don't know. But the tickets are pretty expensive. Yeah. Well, See, that's the other thing that happened is that tickets used to be, you mm. know, tops like 12 bucks, <laughs> you know. And oh, now man. now to go out at night is like, you know, it's a $75 night. And that's a lot still for most people. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they're pretty universal, but they're also really fantastic. But, yeah. The cheapest ticket you can buy for Depeche Mode for a really shitty seat is $88. <laughs> That's crazy. It's not even... Like, I remember I saw New Order <clears throat> recently, and... How is it? That, it was so good. I used to so, I love that I band. Cried. Yeah. So many of those songs, like, mm-hmm. we have so many songs that are mm-hmm. just, like, really, really good. But yeah, it made me like really emotional, <laughs> and they still sound great. Mm-hmm. And the tickets were like forty bucks, or well, it turned out to fifty after all the other charges. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it's still a lot. See, but... these days I'd like to see Kendrick, Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd be interested in seeing that. Yeah, um, I heard he puts on a really good show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's it's horrible because I watch, like, the Grammys, and there's nobody on the Grammys I ever want to see. I don't know anybody that's on the Grammys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm just like, what is going on? But 
but I've done the advertising for the Grammys. So it's like, it's a weird thing, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, that's a little bit of the world I live in, but it's Mm -hmm. also the world I really have no interest in. Who are some of your favorite bands now besides Kendrick Lamar? I like music. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think who I listen to. I like listen to the national. Mm -hmm. It's a band I like that's current. Um, I listen to, my gosh, I have to look at my phone because I have, <laughs> like, I, I'm just, I'm pretty spaced out this whole week. Like, I yeah, like where yeah. we started, I'm like, I don't even know who But being I like asked me. questions on the spot, especially about music yeah. that you're into, is always hard. I, you know. You don't have I, I do, <laughs> I, I know when I listen to my own music, I, I tend to go backwards, so I, I listen to you know, Iggy, or I'll listen to The Cramps, or I'll listen mm-hmm. to, um... Have you seen Iggy? Or The Birds, yeah. You did, yeah. I yeah, bet he was A fun. few times, it's always fun. It's yeah. always perfect. Um, yeah, it, it's... I like I like a lot of, um... I like a lot of rap, but I, I haven't seen much... I've never seen rap, actually. Mm-hmm. I've never been to a rap concert. Yeah. Um... And I'd be interested in going to see that. Who is your favorite? One of your favorites, like any era of rap. Oh well, <laughs> I mean, or maybe this question. I I still keep asking the same I, kind I, of question. I always love Biggie Smalls, but and I oh, always really? love Tupac. Good, yeah. good answer. Good answer. Do you think that um they're still alive, or do you think that they're actually? Like gone. Well, Biggie's gone. <laughs> <laughs> there's no Biggie. There's no Tupac. Okay. Um, it's not not possible to go see them. Um, but I, I, that's <laughs> but that's kind of where where you know the era that I was still actively buying music and listening to stuff. And yeah. you know, prior to that, I I went through a lot of the sort of Seattle grunge stuff, and you know, I I like that a lot of that. Um, oh yeah. What what was. Were you into Nirvana? I was. Yeah. I remember the first time I heard Nirvana, mm-hmm. um, the Bleach album, and I just remember thinking like that it was really something. It was, it was a solid it, album. It sounded different than anything mm-hmm. else, you know, yeah. in the moment, and it was it was really exciting stuff. So yeah, Nirvana, Soundgarden, mm-hmm. I used to like a mm-hmm. lot, um, and then way back when I used to like the fa- bands like The Fall. Oh was another mm-hmm. band I liked. Um, like more post-punky sort of era, whatever you want to call it. Some of it, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it falls around. And my, like, my all-time, fa- okay, punk. my all-time favorite stuff was Suicide. I uh, love Suicide. Um, good choice. I was obsessed <laughs> with Suicide, and, and I still can put that on it. It sounds, it takes me back to a Have you seen minute. Martin Rev play? I have. He played recently at Zebulon. Yeah and, and, yeah, and how was that? I didn't see it. Uh, I, I wanted to. But I would I have loved to. Or something, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I w- that's something I would have been interested in. Yeah. I like Sonic Youth. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. You know, the, the the younger bands, I hear things. I hear things and I will tape things, but yeah. I don't, you know, it's different because we used to buy an album and listen to it over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And now I hear songs on mm-hmm. the radio mm-hmm. and because you don't, or I don't get out to see a lot of the bands mm-hmm. as much, it's harder to um, tell, you know, I can tell you a song I might like, but I don't, 
like the album and what they're yeah. maybe a little bit about the artist and what they look like even. yeah <laughs> i don't i don't have a clue you know and, yeah. and it's like i i think you have to really really work at it in a different way and mm -hmm. i just um i wish i i wish i was more tuned in but when I work, I can't listen to music to do what I do. So I have to catch it in the car, mostly right now. What's your favorite radio station? KCRW is KCRW? what I've been listening to. But yeah. that's just mostly because that's the hours I drive. And, oh, okay. You know, and I listen to Stella Stray Pop, uh, mm -hmm. KXLU sometimes. And I listen to like Jonesy's Jukebox sometimes. I do, too. Yeah, so. Yeah, he's pretty funny. Yeah. So he that's... also burps a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, his interviews are great because they're not that like serious sometimes, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. He's fun. And yeah. He also interviews people that like you know that we probably were into or still are. I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. Well, if okay, if Nomad was still around right now, mm -hmm. what would what would you want to put in it? Oh. Last question. <laughs> wow. Great question. Um, so I've actually thought about Nomag being around, and we decided, I mean, Bruce passed away um, five years ago now, mm -hmm. and um, we had talked about whether we would ever do anything or an anthology or something like that, and... We always chose now to because we thought we couldn't do what we did in this time frame. It was different. But since I've been out and doing the book fairs and um, talking to a lot of people and, and uh, you know, thinking about what the magazine did or didn't mm -hmm. do, um, I think if if I was to do it now, I, I, I actually think there's a an interest and a sort of a hunger mm -hmm. for something that isn't... Um, not so much computer generated, but something that feels um, a little more unpredictable. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure who would go in it, but I can tell you that I would want to make something that is unpredictable and work with young, young artists and um, try to create, you know, what we did then, which is situations that didn't blend comfortably together and be as surprised about what came out of that as, you know, it, it's just something less controlled. I think everything now is so designed to be so, that's the it's word, designed. It's so he heavily yeah. designed and marketed yeah. that I would like something that has some degree of openness to it. Would it be a physical magazine, or would you put it on a on the computer online? Physical, physical, <laughs> physical. physical. Thank you. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I would love to see another physical nomad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think there's something coming. <laughs> there's actually something in the works. Okay, I love that. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your book fair situation yeah. right now before we go? Yeah. So, um, well, this particular weekend, I'm doing a. I, you know, it's funny, I, I I never thought about doing book fairs, but and it uh, it sort of came to me. Printed Matter in New York um, a, approached me about uh, the magazine, and uh, simultaneously Ruka magazine did an article on us, and 
So suddenly pub publishing and, and art fairs have become a thing, and now um, I guess I'm in it and I'm doing them. That's, that's what I can tell you about it. I'm out there selling No Magazine, and this weekend I'll be at the 8-Ball event and next year Printed Matter. Great, and I hope whoever's listening will will you know be able to go to these book fairs because they're really they're really it's such a great experience. And I met you know Eva through going to one of them, and she inspired me to like want to do this interview because of her wealth of knowledge. And Nomad Magazine is if you can check it out, um, it's yeah. really 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 cool, you guys. So try to make it to one of these book fairs and meet Eva. Check out the magazines. See the sub Hollywood book. I'm so happy to own this now. I'm definitely gonna look through it tonight. And uh, yeah, thank you so much, Eva. You're welcome. Yeah, um, it's a lot of fun. Good. <laughs> well, we have to go, but uh, yeah, thank you so much, and thank you for listening. This is SS Extension Course. In Conversation was produced by DubLab, a nonprofit radio station broadcasting live from Los Angeles since 1999. Sound editing and theme song by Matea Bame. For more programming, visit dublab.com. And thank you for listening.